Hi, everybody. This is Tony Khan, the producer and director of Morning Stories from WGBH in Boston. High school is, I guess, a major rite of passage for most of us. It's our first attempt to learn what it means to make it on our own. For some, it's a high point. For others, high school is low school, the toughest transition they have to make. For a guy I I knew named Charlie, I guess it was both. The story that we're going to tell you this morning called Charlie. is a story I wrote years ago, but the feelings in it, like most things that happened to me in high school anyway, are very fresh. So Charlie, if you're listening, call us. This was the school we went to from the 6th to the 8th grade. And these were the doors we poured through at recess to pick up sides for basketball. Some of us were pretty good. Some, like me, were lousy. What'd you get him the ball for? And one of us was Charlie. Probably the most talented human being I've ever known. Charlie came from the west side of town, where kids like Pete and Steve like to act tough and talk about where their tattoos were going to go. But Charlie was different. He had the lightest touch in the world. Everything he did was effortless. In his small, graceful hands, the ball seemed to come alive, skipping at his side like a little pet dog, leaping up and fetching him baskets, swish after swish after swish. By the eighth grade, Charlie was the talk of town. People could barely wait to see what he'd do next year in high school. I was happy just to be picked to play with him, even if it was usually as a favor to the other side. I remember our last grammar school game. We'd fallen behind by a few baskets, and there wasn't much time left in recess for Charlie to pour it on and win the day. I was in back, minding my own business, and watching him drive to the net, when suddenly he wheeled around and fired the ball clear across the court to me. I stepped forward, shot, and missed. Charlie grabbed the rebound and passed me the ball again. I shot and missed. Charlie rushed in, and in the shadow of the net, threw the ball once again to me. This was insane. What was I supposed to do? The teacher had already left to ring the bell. I gripped the ball, prayed for luck, and missed. Charlie got possession, and just as I was beginning to relax, the worst was over. He passed the ball for the fourth straight time to me. I'll never forget the sight. A tunnel of players stood frozen in amazement before me. Too stunned I still had the ball to try to steal it. There at the other end was Charlie, with his shy little smile, looking at me and pointing up at the basket. I stepped forward one last time, aimed, and missed. It was the most humiliating moment of my life. I didn't think Charlie would ever speak to me again. The next year, we all went to high school, and Charlie became a star. Sophomore year, he led the team to the playoffs, junior year to the finals, and senior year to the state crown. A national sports magazine said that Charlie's leadership had made a good team into a great one, and that pound for pound, he was the most phenomenal basketball talent in the history of the state. Senior year, the class voted Charlie most popular, most handsome, and done most for Central High and made him king of the prom. I remember him standing there that night with his queen, a star athlete named Carmen that everyone assumed was his girlfriend. Not that he ever said so. He never really talked about himself. The world is your court now, some teacher gushed, and the band struck up the music for the grand promenade. 
Charlie and Carmen started walking slowly around the gym, nodding and waving to the crowd. I went outside for some fresh air and ran into Steve. He was slumped against a car and staring at his shoes. He could smell the beer a mile away. Charlie's dead, he said, spitting into the ground. What do you mean? See that, he said, pointing at the basket at the far end of the court where the decorating committee had hung the central high banner. He used to joke that if he wasn't tall enough to stand and touch the net by the end of senior year, he'd never make the pros. He'd have to go off somewhere like his brother and be a bum. He bet me ten bucks once he'd make it. Guess what? I won. It was true, of course, Charlie had never been tall, but for four straight years he'd gone out there, made history, and never let us down. Hey, I said, Charlie doesn't give up. Steve spat again. His father's short. His brother's short. He knew he'd never make it all along. You don't make Allstate and just stop, I said. He'll play college ball. I know Charlie. Huh, you know Charlie, he muttered and walked off. I went back to the door and looked inside. Charlie and Carmen had just finished the promenade under the school banner and turned to face the room. Everyone was cheering. The magazine said so. He was the best the state had ever seen. It seemed impossible that a talent that huge would have no place to go. I never told anyone, but he'd always been my hero. I remembered the last time I'd faced him across the court like this, when we were still kids, and he'd lost the last game of the year just to give me a chance to score. Suddenly I knew that Charlie was done with glory, and that with that amazing grace of his for knowing what to do with a basketball, he was going to put it down for good. Fact was, I never did see Charlie again. He didn't even show for graduation. The music stopped, and as the class cheered and started moving toward him, he looked at Carmen, stepped lightly forward, and with that little smile of his, got lost in the crowd. That was today's morning story, Charlie. We're sitting outside in glorious Studio P, P for parking lot, with Gary Mott. That story, for me, obviously, is not over. Charlie was one of my heroes. I have no idea if he was ever a hero to himself. That's the way it is with heroes, I guess. But uh, it does make you wonder, you know, what, what happened to those people? I often wonder what happened to Steve Beasley. Tall and good-looking, and, you know, he got the plum job. Which at, was, in your life, what? Well, at the drive through window. Oh, of course. <laughs> <laughs> what position at, would that be in the drive through window? At Bill Miller Barbecue. Yeah. While I was back, you know, on the grill cooking <laughs> hash browns by the gallon. Um, there was power on the mm. microphone. <laughs> there was power in taking people's orders and making them happy. And look at you now, podcasting. <laughs> High school does cast a charm over some people's lives anyway. It did over mine. And, and, and Charlie just really was grace incarnate, you know. And kind of his example for me was how to handle victory and disappointment both, you know, with a certain kind of grace. High school is such a formative period for so many people that when you do hear what's happened to people, right? it's almost, oh, yeah, I could have predicted that. Or... It could be a wonderful, delightful surprise. And I guess that's one of the reasons why I'm, I'm kind of hoping that Charlie, if he's out there, we'll get back in touch because uh, he's my hero and I want to know he's okay and if he isn't, what I can do to, to help. 
Uh, one of the uh, emails that we got this week is also about, you know, trying to trying to hear from somebody from the past. I, I'd like to read that if I can. It says, uh, Dear Tony and Gary, she writes, she's a, a librarian, she says, I often say that I did not choose to be a librarian, but that I was recruited by a child librarian friend. It was pure pleasure from almost the first day on the job. The benefit for me was not that I loved books, as many people assumed, but that I loved stories. Not just the stories that I found in books, but also the stories of people whose lives intersected with my own because of the library. Well, in the first few weeks in my new job, I met Victor. He must have been seven or eight years old at the time. He had recently moved with his family from Portugal, and he came to tell me about the books he had read from the Summer Reading Club. It didn't take me long to figure out that Victor could not read English at all yet, but that he could make up the most wonderful stories from the illustrations in the children's books. I adored Victor's stories and his imagination. Slowly, that first summer, I showed him how to unlock the stories printed on the pages of those books. More than 30 years later, I wonder where Victor is today. I wonder if he now has children of his own, and does he tell them stories? Well, this comes from uh, Linda, and uh, Linda, uh, if we can be a way of your hearing from Victor, just as I would long to hear from Charlie, uh, here's hoping that we can. And that's not all, Linda says. She adds in a P.S., after I retired, I love this part, I learned how to do a website as a volunteer project for my church. I believe I would not have succeeded if I had not purchased file transfer software from Gary? Ipswich. <laughs> you bet. So I am both grateful for their products and for their support of the Morning Stories podcast. Well, my dear Linda, you've taken the words right out of my mouth. Let me just further add that they are, in fact, a leader in file transfer software and that you can reach them at their website, ipswitch.com. Some things are happening uh, on our website here in the near future. Oh, yeah. Interesting things. wgbh.org slash morningstories. Uh, we're hoping to to build a little podcast page offer some of our podcasts for manual download as well as create an easier way for you to react to the stories and uh, submit your own so to the wonderful sound of the uh, crew in studio p keep at it boys we'll see you next week bye